The million dollar question, how do entrepreneurs transition from self-employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters and this podcast has the million dollar answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. All right, hey guys, it's Chris Waters, the host of CEO Secrets. I am super honored to have Jeff Cook. Um, Jeff is a juggernaut in the real estate industry. Um, I had the a privilege of meeting Jeff about, gosh, six, seven, eight years ago, around 2012, 2013. And um, I always remember Jeff because he was probably one of the most humble, nice, ambitious, driven guys I got to know in some of the masterminds and real estate events. And I, I frequently would see Jeff on stage and people were always honoring Jeff. I remember Jeff when um, when uh, you got the Honey Badger Award. And, and what's super cool um, that I love about you, Jeff, is I think a lot of people in the real estate industry that are using the team centric model, you know, everybody's kind of chasing getting to 500 closings, but like you were one of the few people that like you were dead set on getting to a thousand plus closings. Like that's where your head was at. And you were telling me that like five, six, seven years ago. So anyways, I'm excited to get into that journey, but uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Why don't you thank tell you. every tell everybody a little bit about yourself, background, how you got into real estate, all that good stuff. Hey, thank you guys for having me along. Uh, it's honored to be a part of the podcast here and honored to, to share some knowledge with everybody that's watching and thank you for for hosting and uh, putting this on for us. I do appreciate it. Uh, as he said, Jeff Cook and uh, primarily in the Charleston, South Carolina market, we've got a couple expansion markets in Greenville, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, Rock Hill, Charlotte area as well. And uh, it's just, it's been a fun ride. Uh, as, as Chris said, probably, gosh, I don't know, about five, six years ago, we caught a vision to try to get to a thousand family serve. We call it family serve instead of transactions just because it makes it a little more personable and makes the uh, agents and the team feel a little more, uh, you know, excited about actually wanting to take that uh, opportunity on and to serve a family. It makes a purpose for what we're doing, right? So a thousand families serve was our mission um, about five years ago. We were fortunate enough two years ago to hit that, uh, which we're really excited. Um, this past year, we were about 13 change on transactions, 1300. Um, and this year, we're going to be somewhere around the 16, 1700 mark on the number Woo, of transactions. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. It, man. Yeah, it's killing fun. It. That's um, awesome. And we're doing that in a team-centric model. A lot of people say, there's no way you're doing that in a team model. We are. We're doing that in a team model. Um, and basically what I mean by that is we've got about 80 agents. Um, they're all in traditional, you know, 50-50 type deal. Uh, we're giving them leads in this, you know. So of all those transactions, we're doing 85, about 88% actually are, are company-given transactions, and the other 12% are agent-found transactions. So this isn't just turn them loose and send them out to the, you know, the bars and the churches and wherever else and, you know, go find who you can buy. Like, this is business that we're generating, giving to the agents closing it out on a split type of an arrangement. Uh, so it's been fun, man. I've been at it for 16 years. Uh, I've really been, you know, the first eight years uh, was our quest to try to figure out how to break through a hundred transactions. Hey, uh, well, let me, I, let me eight years you. to do that. Yeah. Were you, ahead, were, you, were you a nat like, were you naturally a good salesperson? <laughs> no, horrible. <laughs> Horrible. I'm actually an introvert, man. I don't, you know, I'm actually, I'm sitting here cringing right now as being on camera. Can you tell? <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, no, I was an introvert, man. And I, how did you, uh, you know, how did you learn? Like, what did you do to go become a good salesperson so you could go teach other people? Well, you know, I, I started off, you know, in college, I was, I actually was doing some sales in college. I was working for Circuit City back in the day before they closed up shop, you know, selling TVs and audio equipment and all that. So, you know, the, the thing that that helped me with is that they just churned through a bunch of people coming in and out of the door. So you can, 
could, you know, with real estate, it takes what, you know, 45 to 90 days to get a transaction done. Right. So you, you hope that it goes well and you hope you're doing everything along the way, but every night it's a 45 day cycle, right? Well, selling a TV, you know, I, I, it's a 30 minute cycle, you know, I'm just burning through, you know, presentation after presentation after presentation. So I was able to hone my skill by doing some retail sales prior to real estate. So I was able to read people and know what to say, learn what to say, what not to say and all that. So hey, that hey, Jeff, an I got, I got to tell you something, dude, I've been meaning to tell you this for years and years and years. I've been dying to tell you this. So my, one of my first um, jobs, like legit jobs where I was a W2 employee right. was circuit city. My no first way. Job. That's so, funny. so prior to circuit city, I worked under the table mowing yards and cause I was too young. And so I got a job at Circuit City when I was 16, and this was 1998, 99. Right. And, and um, I got fired from Circuit City. So <laughs> I, 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 don't know if you re, I don't know if you remember this, but um, at Circuit, I, I love that. I've been wanting to tell you this for years. So I, um, at Circuit City, I don't know if you remember this, but um, we got 60, like 70% off car audio equipment. Right. And so I... Yeah, I used to. um, uh, So in 1998 and 99, if you remember, eBay launched. Do you remember that when eBay launched? So eBay launched, and you know, I was making like I was one of those hourly people, like (laughs) selling like uh, cordless phones. Right. And so my commission was really small. I made 50 cents for selling like a extended home warranty or, or warranty or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So like I sold the shit out of those things, but like I could never make more than like 12, 13, 14 bucks an hour. And so I started buying uh, car audio equipment from Circuit City <laughs> and putting it on um, eBay. At cost. And, you bought yeah. it at cost and sold it. <laughs> and so you got fired. That's hilarious. Well, I, hey. so I, I actually, you know, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. Like I, I was 16 <laughs> years old. Like yeah. I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of my employee discount. <laughs> yeah. That's why they give it to me. Right. As much as you want, right? I got hauled into this room by the store manager of Circuit City with this guy on speakerphone that sounded like a private detective or like law enforcement person. They scared the shit out of me. I thought they were like going to send me to jail for doing this or something. (laughs) And so they were just trying to intimidate me to like tell them the truth, right? That's what I figured out. And um, they pulled up on the computer. Remember those like old DOS computers, like the green text and everything? They pull up this like super long list, like page after page, and it's all the stuff I had bought. And they thought I was like stealing stuff to make the money to pay for it. And um, I had bought over $30,000 worth oh of car God. audio equipment. So anyways, Jeez, I, is... I've been meaning to tell you that story for years. <laughs> you didn't know you were doing anything wrong at all, right? <laughs> I had no idea. Of course not. I got you, man. Yeah. That's a good real estate agent right there, man. You got to know where that line's up, baby. You got to know where that line's up. That's funny. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, man, that's that's the, that's the story, you know. Uh, it took it literally took eight years to break through 100, man. But after we did 100, then it was, you know, 220 and then 320 and then 380 and on and on from there so the what was the aha uh-huh. like if you could go back in time what was like the the big nugget that gets you to break through 100 like what, well, was, what know, was it it was a couple things first off from the marketing standpoint when people stopped, finally started realizing who we were and the referrals started coming in so i was a horrible leader you know self-admitted i was a horrible leader i learned a little bit of sales skill down at the circuit city but i, I didn't know how to lead people I definitely didn't know how to lead people definitely not encourage people definitely know how to motivate non-commissioned sales people had no idea how to do that and so trying to to, um, you know, I tried to break through a hundred myself <laughs> by myself, and that was a disaster because I did 90 transactions and about run myself crazy, and that wasn't sustainable. So then I started trying to build a team, you know, and then I'm, I got guys doing 14, 15, 
deals. I'm trying to make them get the 80 deals like I'm at, you know, and I'm like, dude, if we can get, I actually had a plan. I remember writing this down. I was like, if I can get 10 agents doing 80 deals each, man, it would be 800 transactions. They'd be making a couple hundred grand a year. And I was Sounds like, so you know, simple. Yeah, it sounds so easy. I mean, everybody get rich on an Excel spreadsheet, right? Like it's uh, it's it's easy. I was like, we only need an office that can hold maybe fifteen total, about five admins, and you know, eight slayer agents. You know, whatever, man. It just didn't work. So, needless to say, we had to back up a drawing board. But it was it was figuring out how to communicate. You know, um, that that's really the big deal, and communicate to not only to other agents more efficiently, and and it's a process of building some of your systems up, your checklist, and you know how to communicate to operations versus communicate to internal agents you know your agents that work for you um and communicate with leads you know scripting it's all that it's really all about communication and leadership i think is what caused it same thing that caused you to get past a thousand by the way it's uh interesting it's on a different just on a different level yeah so you got you broke past a thousand and got to three 380 hit five and then a thousand um and so if i'm hearing you right the one core thing is communication leadership i i remember so i've never um i i you know i'm not with keller williams but i remember this acronym that they had in some class called um uh class was called recruit select i believe i don't think they have it anymore but the acronym they have and this is like the acronym uh that basically describes the role of the owner and any future leaders and i thought it was really really good which is why i talk about it but it's recruit select train lead and motivate like you got to master those things not actually being a better salesperson to actually build a big business it's true yeah it's very true yeah, very true. Yeah, you know, it's um, lead, lead, and so it's funny, you know, the, as part of the evolution of building a team, right, is replacing yourself when you bring buyer agents in, replacing yourself with, you know, in front of a buyer, you know, and that's, 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 there's a challenge with that. That's what you got to be thinking about when you're trying to get past 100, right? And then after that, it's like, okay, well, crap, how do you place yourself in front of a couple of sellers? You know, that you get a few listing, listing appointments that you no longer want to be the guy going out on, you're trying to work your way out of production, you know, replacing yourself there, you know, that's, that's a challenge, you know, and we could been, you know, the next hour and a half talking just about that. But what, what were some of your early um, lead sources when you got when the first like zero to hundred? What was like the stuff that worked really, really good for Man, you? Man, back then it was Craigslist. Believe it or not, we were slow. maybe that's why it took us so long to get past a hundred is we were operating all day on Craigslist. <laughs> but but back then, man, Craigslist was amazing. Uh, believe it or not, yeah. it was you know it was free. So we were posting you know 15, 20, 30 ads a day on Craigslist and get a ton of leads, man, a couple hundred leads a month from it. But you know it was a combination of that and also back then newspapers worked so. The, Again, that's back, you know, 15 years ago, right? So, um, as far as breaking through, though, were you uh, calling expires and withdrawals? Did you do that? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. When I was doing the production myself personally, I was. I found that it's challenging in order to try to get, you know, an agent stick around a long time doing that. So we have some ISAs that do that now. Um, but we never really made it big off of doing expires and for sale by owners. Uh, where we really started, you know, catching our ground was, you know, generating just a ton of buyer leads and then finding a lot of those buyer leads also have to then turn around and sell. Yeah. Uh, that's really where we got going is, is, you know, so I had a small army, you know, I mean, today we got 80 agents, right? So, you know, over time, we've always been agent heavy and, and trying to, you know, grow that transaction count, you know, so we lead with agent hires and naturally they're going to sell something as long as you got the right person on board. So keeping a large number of agents is always been a mantra that we've had and as a result of that we needed a large amount of buyer leads and we found out that over time those people also have to sell a house and so that was one of our first easy you know listing lead generation sources is a, is a buyer that has a home to sell now you tr you made a big transition at some point where you started you know, like your business became more 50 50 and you started doing a lot more listing side stuff Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what, what transaction count was that? And then like, I know what you were doing, but maybe share with the audience what you were, what you yes. were doing. 
Yeah. So interestingly enough, we've, we've never officially hit 50% listing site. We've always been between 50 and 60% uh, buy side uh, okay. on our business. We've never actually crossed into the threshold of having more listings than buyers. Uh, and there was a big aha for me in that, man. You know what the aha was? It was, you know, a lot of team structures, let's say it's a team of six, right? Uh, typically what you find there's a team of six, you got one main, you know, say the team leader or whatever that also does listings and maybe one other person that's qualified to do listings, right? Um, so you got maybe two people, maybe three, but that are typically doing listings. And then you got six that can do, plus a team leader that can work a good buyer, right? And so you got six people that can work buyers and you got two people that can work listings. That's like, wait a minute, why, why is that, right? And so what I had was the opposite problem. Uh, you know, I had, you know, uh, imagine that expanded into like a team of 30, right? And so now I've got four or five, six agents that can do listings and 24 agents that can do buyers. And it's like, <laughs> no wonder we're doing more buyer transactions. So we made a shift and this has actually helped even it out. We made a shift that we told all of our agents, look, if you want to do listings, do listings. You know, you're an agent. You're not licensed just to do buyers. You're, you're licensed to do real estate. So if you want to do listings, let's do it. And so we put them through a training class. We have what's called qualified and certified. Um, so there's either nothing, which is when you come in, you're, 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 you do buyers, but then you can immediately take a class to become qualified. And then we do that through Trainual, by the way, uh, which is our online training platform uh, that anybody can get access to. It's just got a lot of own resources and tools that we've built and videos we've built on the inside of it. I want to have just a little debate with you real quick. So my opinion regarding like agents, you know, being specialized is that it's less about like make like making them work buyers or sellers and it's more about like helping it's more about you as a leader understanding how to develop a career trajectory path for your agents right. and so my my perspective and, I, and I, I want to hear what you think but my perspective is when you have a newer agent ideally it's it they start out on the buy side because the contracts are more forgiving like the buyer presentation and getting the people committed to working to you is easier than a seller. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you like get your, you, you kind of learn inside sales, like, you know, managing your pipeline, setting appointments, you know, uh, man, you start mastering like how to get people committed to working with you that don't know you. And then you kind of start understanding the market as a, a buyer agent because you're out in the field. So you kind of knock down those three dominoes and master the buy side. And then that's when you move on to the listing side. So, mm -hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of like starting people out on the buy side and then, you know, cross training them to do listings so they can work their sphere. Or for some people, they just love listings more than buyers and we just load them up on the listing side. What's your, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. Same thing for us. You know, here, here's the thought, whatever you like you mentioned earlier with the dominoes, it's whenever you're doing a buyer, the, the, the buyer client isn't really interviewing you. They're interviewing the house they're going to live in long-term, you know? So, you know, that's why when somebody's moving to, you know, Austin, Charleston, whatever it may be, they're not really searching, you know, tell me the top agent, right? They're, they're saying, show me homes for sale. And there's, so they're, they're looking for the commodity of the house. They're not really looking for the agent. And it doesn't matter whether it's me, you, or anybody else listening to this thing, whoever has access to that house, you can get them in or gets that lead and calls them and talks about that house is who they're willing to buy the house from. So they don't really care about the agent. They don't care which agent helps them with it because they're more concerned about the commodity. And on the seller side, it's much different, right? They're interviewing you as the agent. They want to know what's your song and dance and, you know, show me your this interview. I'm interviewing you. You tell me what you can do. And you're right. It takes a while. It takes a while more for an agent to typically get comfortable with being able to field those type of questions and ideas uh, to be able to be put on the spotlight at the kitchen table in their home turf to be able to decide, hey, you know, do I have the confidence enough to go and list this house as a presentation in their home? So I agree with you. Definitely start on the buy side. The aha for us on that was was just simply that we, there's no reason for us to just have buyer agents if they don't want to just be buyer agents, right? So when they get in, they do two, three, four buyer transactions 
transactions and then we'll start talking about listings. We're totally open to that conversation. Whereas two years ago, three years ago, it's like, no, 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 man, there's only, there's only a certain amount of spots on the listing team. And when you really prove yourself and start knocking back 15, 20 deals a year, then we'll talk to you about potentially getting on the listing team. And we've, we've completely switched that mindset now where if you want to do listings, man, let's go do listings, you know? Do you, and, and you have an inside sales team setting appointments for your listing agents, right? Yeah, but it's not on all of our incoming calls do not go to the ISAs. But yeah, we do have an ISA team. It's a team of eight. We just went from four to eight. We doubled it in size. So we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. Uh yeah. you know the ISA team always has a certain amount of no matter what, I've never seen an ISA team that's more than one or two people that doesn't have a fair amount of drama floating within it anywhere yeah. in the country. I mean you, you you know the drill on this thing. So there's always a little bit of drama floating in the ISA world. They, if they didn't have a fair amount of drama, they'd probably be agents, right? So that's just who they are. So anyways, but yeah, so our ISA team receives um, leads, but they don't receive incoming calls. The incoming calls go to our agents that are on duty. We have a duty day set up and we have a listing duty and a buyer duty every single day, every single location. Um, so whenever those listing leads come in as a real-time phone call, they run straight to that listing agent sitting at the duty desk ready to get that listing call. When um, So you had one primary office and then you started opening up multiple offices and that's how you like started having some deep penetration in your city from a market you know, yeah. uh, saturation perspective. Yeah. Um, I, I remember years ago, you tell me the first time you opened up your first one, like, you know, culture became kind of a difficult thing to yeah. maintain. And like that feeling people have in the office, what helped you fix that? What? Well, you know, it's it's funny, man. Culture is a hard thing no matter what. Even if you got everybody under one, under one roof, you know, it's a hard thing. Uh, but I remember back whenever we launched our first location, what it was, it was actually an agent in my area that phoned me up. And a lot of this happened by luck, to be honest with you. I mean, it didn't have some grand plan and all that. But, you know, I look back on it. And I'm like, man, a lot of the tra- trajectory that we took worked out by luck. And this is one of those examples. Um, thank God this guy didn't live four states away. He lived in my city, which is nice. Um, so he phoned me up one day and he said, Hey, um, you know, would you be willing to coach me, um, on how to, um, you know, do real estate and build a team like you're building. And I was like, no, I was like, you're my competitor here in my city. So no, and do that, but you can join me. And we opened the office together and, you know, we'll split the profit or whatever. And so he's, and so we ended up meeting and, you know, wrote the business plan on the back of a napkin. And that was our first expansion office. And it literally was 15 miles away from our main office, but in the same city. And again, thank God the guy didn't live four states away. Uh, not that he was, he wasn't the right fit. It's just doing expansion a long way away, man. You better really have a solid nucleus, right? And so, you know, you figured out a lot of that, Chris, but as far as us, it was really helpful to us if we're doing expansion onto the same brand, you're providing leads for them, but it's all your expense. You better be able to get down to it in the car, you know, at a short amount of time if you want to. And so we found that that worked. Um, and so the reason that we placed the office where we placed it at is because we were getting a lot of listing appointments over there. But a lot of the agents over there were throwing us under the bus saying, ah, he's, he's more he's more of the agent. You know, he's a good agent. But he's more of the agent over on the west side of town. Right. Like that's that's the deal. We're more agent more on the west side. And so we went over to the east side and slapped up a beachhead and a sign and an office right on Main Street there, as big a sign as we could buy. And I was like, okay, now what are they gonna say? Right. And so like that's how we did our first expansion and, and we started winning all you, those listing appointments. Do you feel like that actually did that help a lot having that physical office there? Then it did, yeah. It really did. Uh yeah. For us, you know, the offices make a big deal, make a big, you know. I, I think it's I think after you really get a name established, I don't know that it's as big 
big, but it also depends on the signage that you have. The main reason we chose that particular one, it was right on Main Street. I could have a 25 foot wide sign. Now I invested 10 grand, 15 grand, or what it was, it was some expensive sign that we had that literally there's a huge car count driving right by it every single day, you know, and then we just drop Facebook ads, you know, right on top of that whole area saying, check our office out, check our office out, now serving this area. And that helped big time with our conversion. We went from not winning a lot of appointments over there to winning almost every appointment over there because of the beachhead and the sign. Let me let me ask them what's what's behind you. I see a picture behind your your uh, right shoulder of a billboard. What is that? You really want to know? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. So we actually have three of them there, um, and those are all cease and desist letters um, from attorneys that represent these particular billboard companies. <laughs> so like this one, um, yeah, bring it a little closer. So that one is the game of homes. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. my God, I love it. Yeah. And is, then, that, is uh, that you on the left side? Yeah, that's me on the left side. Yeah, right, right there. <laughs> you see it? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. And then, um, you know, and this is straight from HBO, uh, you know, up here on the top. Oh my so, God. Yeah, right there. Dude, so, I would get that. I'd get that to plot too. You know, you're doing something right when you get their attention. Yeah, I got one from Mattel there. I got one from. Oh, HBO. let me see. Let, let me see the other one. I want to see the other ones. Yeah, yeah. This is so, this is amazing. Yeah. So this oh. one. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it says unauthorized use of Lego Group trademarks. Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh my so, god. Anyways, and then the last one is uh, this one came from uh, Bob Barker Studios because we did uh, the Price Is Right, the Right Home Price. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so anyways, oh well, you know, and we're not, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing that up publicly. We were, we're not really trying to display that out there publicly, but since you asked, I'll tell you about it. But hey, it's all good. So we're not trying to rub it in their face. You know, when these guys sit the season that says the last thing I want to do is get in a fight with any of those guys, right? So No, it's, you're uh, creative. You, dude, you, I mean, you, I'm not telling you that you don't already know. Like your creativity with billboards is like. Yeah. Yeah. bananas yeah it's huge you're right it's uh it's been it's been a fun ride man so you know this guy's every time we put a billboard up we have it in like a 30 to 45 day rotation right so the minute they send the cease and desist list we're already starting to pull it down so we got a new one coming up and then another cease and desist letter come we'll pull it down so, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my god that's awesome yeah. so you and so you do bill you do a ton of billboards you do radio um what else uh you're you're got inside sales people call in Dude, we do a ton of pay. Like I said earlier, we do a ton of pay per click, and I think that's you know it's 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 you know we do it under a pretty unique model, which is called the pot pond. We call it the cook pot. Um, some of the people call it the pond, which is you know essentially we generate around four thousand leads a month, uh, twenty five hundred of which are pay per click, fifteen hundred other various sources. But let's just talk about twenty five hundred pay per click leads for a minute. What we do is we drop all those into a centralized. We call it the cook pot. Some people call it the pond. Everybody can see those leads. So when I have a new agent joining, they can see those leads. The senior agent can see those leads and then after everybody's calls and warms them up i mean we're talking we're talking 100,000 leads sitting in this thing total because we at we get 2500 more adding in every single month right and so what happens is is the team just goes to work just pounding those and as they warm somebody up then we pull it out of that move it over to their account so it's just their lead so if they establish a relationship with it then they're assigned that specific lead themselves and there's a couple of things that are really nice about that number one is whenever i bring a brand new agent on they don't have to wait for the round robin to get every 15th lead 20th lead or whatever you know and then take three months in order to get a stack of 40 leads they literally turn it on and they can see 100,000 leads on day one 
And it's like, dude, that's that's impressive, man. That's that's really strong for recruiting. The other thing is too is whenever they pull those leads out and they assign them only to themselves, there's a max number. You can only have you know 35 at a time. So if an agent leaves us, I know exactly which 35 pieces of business that I need to keep my eye on to make sure company deals stay company deals. Uh, or we need to talk about referral fees because again, that's the 35 hottest people that they've been working that they've pulled out and moved over. So if an agent's got, you know, again, agent stays with you five, six years, got 700 leads assigned to them. How do you, how do you keep up with 700 deals, you know, versus yeah. 30, 35. So it helps us coming in and it helps us going out. What is, what's your favorite piece of technology? Jeff, like what are some of your favorite pieces of new tech? Shiny objects for people to go chase. Shiny objects to spend money on, you don't need to spend money on. (laughs) I'll tell you what we just signed up with. Um, So so a challenge that we've had is trying to keep track of reviews, right? Because an online presence, we were talking with uh, a couple of the guys this morning and, you know, Online presence, online reviews, Google reviews, Facebook reviews, Zillow reviews, all that stuff is important, but not urgent, right? Like the only time it's urgent is if you get a one-star review and you need to, you know, bury it by adding a couple five-star reviews on top of it, right? But other than that, it's just not really urgent, it's, but it's something that's so critical to build your business. Um, and so the reason I bring this up is I was running the stats this morning and we've got 920 Zillow, we got about 1200 Google and then about 800 or so Facebook reviews. The interesting thing, the reason we've got so many is because we've had to, we've got, again, seven locations. So each location may only have 100 to 150, you know, Google reviews, but collectively we got over a thousand. And I'm like, man, there's just got to be a better way to do this, right? And so I ran across something called BirdEye and another one called Gather Kudos. And we're actually going to sign up in the BirdEye, which will give you a full-blown dashboard, which will show, you know, and at, you can set up um, stages, right? So what it'll do is it'll basically like at stage one, whenever it goes pending or listing or pending or closing, it's almost like we check into a hotel. You know, you get the emails like happy face, sad face, and you can talk about it. The sad yep. faces get routed one way. The happy faces get routed to leave a review. It's exactly yep. what this is doing. And it's all controlled by staff. So I don't have to, you know, have the agents worried about going out and tracking these reviews down. Some of them are very good at it, some are not, but automatically we'll now send out, how did the agent do for you? At the listing, depending on the closing process, we'll take the temperature three different times. And if and if those are ever a happy face, then what happens is that they then leads them to go lead, leave an online review for us. So our goal there is to A, keep track of the agents, almost like an NPS score, but separately than that is almost to um, you know continue to grow our online brand. So whenever the agents come, go, whatever they may do, I'm still left holding a large amount of equity and five-star reviews. So we actually had BirdEye for a year, about two years ago. And um, we, we just had a really hard time like exceeding 20% of our total number of closings to get reviews left, um, even with BirdEye. And so I, I thought maybe we were doing something wrong. And I don't know, like it's, it's something you got to really pay attention to as you build your brand. For people watching this, you should know BirdEye is kind of expensive. It's 500 bucks a month. A three, four, five hundred dollars a month. It's pretty expensive. So if you're a single agent or you have a small team, like it's the thing that I discovered that's like a little better when you're trying to be a little more frugal with your cash is just doing uh, monthly competitions where you give away cash and prizes and stuff to get people to get reviews. That's the thing we had the most success with. But also Yelp is a man. Yelp is so hard to get reviews. Um, yeah, there. Yelp is horrible, man. It's uh, Yelp is like the evil enemy, right? And so even if like, it's, and people say you got to pay to play with Yelp, and it's like you know, man, even. Even when we write them a check, our reviews still get buried and ghosted, yep. you know? That's uh, the but thing. 
But going back to that, the review challenge that you're talking about, so so here's something that we did. We've actually increased 200 in the past 60 days, and we haven't signed up for Bird Eye yet. So um, here's what we did. We did a lot of what you're talking about. We basically said to the agents, look, if you want to make, uh, whenever you turn your commission, you're closing in or whatever, if you want to make an extra 10 bucks, turn it in with a Google review, extra 20 bucks, Google and Facebook, extra 30 bucks, Google, Facebook, and Zillow. Um, and so they're already thinking about payday, right? you got payday coming. So it's like, how can I maximize that payday and actually make an extra 10 20 or $30 and so I told the company, I said, look, I'm fine with you guys going out and getting reviews. You know, run it up. Obviously, Zillow, they got to do business with you, right? If not, you know, you'll piss Zillow off, though. I should delete your account. Um, and so anyway, the point is, is that we've added 200 reviews in the past 30, 60 days simply by paying the agents, you know, a little extra to do the job that they're already supposed to be doing. And so we're not paying for reviews. We're paying the agent to do it. They're kind of already supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. And so that helps big time, man. That, like you said, that's a really, really, really big deal. Uh, and I told agents, I'm like, look, let's go get a thousand reviews. I'm fine with this. We get a thousand. I'm willing to write the check for up to ten thousand dollars. Let's go do it. Let's go have fun with it. And we even let our admin, administrative staff, and all that participate as well because they're out hustling, closing transactions, and they're running into clients all the time. So if they want to get a review from a client, you know, colleague, whatever, then fine. You know, ten bucks to them too, and it, it, that makes a big deal, man. When you incentivize even a small amount, ten bucks. Not everybody's doing it, but so what? You know, we'll get those extra thousand reviews in the next couple months. What else on the tech side are you? Um, interested in right now? What are, what are things you're like really excited about? Well, um, you know, we're in the process of switching some of our websites around, um, you know, which is nice. We're looking at, you know, Sierra, where she would just went live with a new Sierra website, which is, is pretty fun. And the thing I'm looking, the thing I like about it is, you know, and also using some of the technology that you and I've talked about, about being able to share, you know, all those leads into one spot, you know what I mean? And not have to worry about APIs and are they, is it all going to work? And just getting it all into one place, man, because we got a team our size. The problem that we've got is that it's multiple low, we get, you know, we incentivize agents to bring personal transactions, right? So they don't get 50, 50 on their personals. They actually make more than that. So if they bring that in, I want to make sure that it's truly a personal transaction. Like how do you make sure that's truly personal? And so when I got marketing all over the city, you know, and some of it's phone call based, right? Of course you record the phone call, but who has time to sit there and listen to 150 phone calls, right? So how do you go through and make sure that the leads that the agents are working are all personal leads or are team leads, you know? Um, and so that's our big struggle right now. And so trying to get every lead that ever exists within our organization uploaded into one CRM is our big, hairy, audacious goal for 2020, just to make sure that we're going to keep winning, right? The systems I'd recommend to help you with that, one is um, RealSync. That's the one that I, I personally invested in um, as an investor, RealSync, R-E-A-L. S-Y-N-C-H, S-Y-N-C-H, mm-hmm. and, they, and they create integrations for Sierra Interactive. So you can get all your leads going bi-directionally in, in Sierra. Um, and then the other, another one is mailparser.io. Mailparser.io sucks the info out of an email and then pushes it into your CRM. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what else? So you got uh, you you like Sierra BirdEye? What are some other cool pieces of tech? Uh, other tech. Let's see. Um, you know, so the other thing is, I mean, the same Zoom video that we're doing right now. We use a lot of Zoom um, internally as well because whenever I do manager meetings and also sales meetings, keep in mind I can't be in front of all the agents, right? So I can uh, you know somewhat keep track of them. We've learned that whenever because each of the locations I have has a sales manager in it. Um, so I've got seven sales managers and some of them have grown big enough now where they actually have a second, you know, person as well that's helping out. So imagine trying to get 14 people on one conference call and everybody weighing in and make sure they're all listening. So we switched 
push over to Zoom video to do that. So that's uh, that's helped us from a collaboration standpoint. And that goes back to the same thing we talked about in the beginning, which is communication and leadership. You know, that was really setting the 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 the, the stage for us. You know, growing forward. But to be honest with you, man, we 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 aren't we aren't looking for and trying to. You know, I've been same CRM, same lead systems. You know, we don't chase a ton of shiny objects. Just to be hundred percent honest with you, man. It's what do you what do you really think about are. what do you think about CSU? That's one I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, CSU is one that we've looked at. Um, we've not pulled the trigger on it and got it up and running in all the offices yet. You're talking about for like agent, um, you know, phone calls and appointments set and all that stuff. Agent it, accountability. Yeah. So it, it extracts all the data points out of your CRM automatically, and then populates them on a leaderboard, and it's updated dynamically, mm-hmm. kind of like a sports scoreboard. And you can see your agents move up and down the roster, and like for call nights and the gamification stuff is super cool. Um, and then it, it just uh, for like a leader, it helps you understand where are the holes in the agent's skills, so you can Conversion. help coach them up to convert. Yeah, to convert. So yeah, no, I like it. The, so right now, you know, our issue is is getting everything solidified in a single CRM. Right, that's our big yeah. thing is trying to figure out how to do that because you know we're still using Commission Sync right now as our main CRM. Um, and the agents are very happy with that, very comfortable with that, but we're using multiple platforms. And so getting those data points extracted out of multiple platforms into a single SISU is, is a bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, I find a lot of this technology stuff is built for teams that are typically single locations and, you know, 10 to 20 agents, right? There's a ton of technology out there for that. Yeah. There's not a ton of technology out there for teams with 80 agents because there's just not. How, how, are, how are you facilitating like the, ge- like, so you got agents that focus on geographic territories, right? So I'm assuming the lead flow Mm-hmm. is routed based on geographic territories. Is that accurate? Correct, yeah, because uh, so we're in four markets and they're all you know about 100 miles away from each one, right? So, so. Do, so do you have a CRM dedicated to each one with a front-end yeah. facing buy-side website? Yes. Yeah, so like maybe it's greenville.com, Greenville Real Estate or whatever, and then Charleston mm-hmm. Real Estate. Mm-hmm. And then they, do they all go into the same back-end uh, sync system? Not currently, no. They run into separate back-ends. Oh, man, that's a huge pain in the ass. I know. Well, you can, uh, I mean, as the as the admin side, you know, admin meeting, you know, that super admin, you can roll it all up in one, but the agents and sales managers cannot do that, right? So it's basically with a lot of these platforms, it's either, hey, you're in, you got agent view or you got like full-blown team leader view right it's like no in between there's no sales manager view which is like a half view you know um and so you either got to give them full access to everything or you give them access to only you know a few things and so so are you thinking with sierra interactive they're going to build you like multiple front-end facing websites and then they all tie into one back end Yes. And they also yeah. will, yeah, that's, that's the goal. And they also have the ability to do multiple different levels of, you know, user admin users as well. Right. And so if you're a sales manager over one location, then you can have those people underneath you that are reporting to you rolled up into your dashboard analytics and you don't see, you can still see leads from the entire city, but you can't see what the agents in another officer does. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm like pretty, you know, Fire uh, Firepoint's another good one, um, but I feel like Firepoint and Sierra Interactive are two that are like kind of like Boomtown back in the day, right. and like they are working their ass off to get ahead of everybody, you know. Well, we were close to pulling the trigger with Firepoint, and, and again, you know, we're happy with Sync as well in terms of their lead generation ability. But uh, I agree with you; they they closed their API also. It's hard to get a lot of this stuff off, you know, in, in Sync. Uh, but the problem with Firepoint is, you know, we've got two hundred, we've got two hundred twenty 
9,000 leads total. Um, and so FirePoint doesn't believe that they can support all of that in one back-end CRM. So, you know, we, we were very, very close to doing that because we've got the large lead number. Um, that's what's kind of held us back from, yeah, we don't want, we don't want the thing to sit there and, you know, do the circle of death for 30 seconds before it loads the, you know, the first stack of 20 leads, right? Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, Jeff, what's like, what, what, what's the next step for you, man? Like you got this behemoth of a business, like you're crushing it in your market. Everybody knows who you are. You're like a damn celebrity in the market. Like what, what's next for you? We're like, couple of things you, man. you were saying a thousand deals five six years ago now now where are you going now well first off you know jcre jeff cook real estate is definitely our primary goal i've got a couple other business ventures i'll tell you about real quick but with jeff cook real estate uh we want to do uh four thousand families served by 2025 so we've basically got six years to go from 1600 to four thousand uh you know and i think we can pull that off with um you know 16 locations right now we're at eight locations uh but we can pull that off with 16 locations at about 200 300 agents somewhere in that range. Uh, that's our goal. Uh, that's the goal is to get there by 2025. Uh, mostly in the state of South Carolina, possibly a little bit in North Carolina. But our goal is to be like the dominant real estate team company in South Carolina. Um, you know, that's 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 our BHAG. That's our focus. What, uh, what, what inspires you to keep pushing so hard? You know, it's um, I, I see it's the same mantra instead of calling it transaction family served. You know, I don't get to see that as much as I don't sell houses anymore, specifically myself. But I see how my agents getting able to do that makes them happy and also fulfills them and also allows them to make a nice income um, and also gives, you know, an operations center also gives them a lot of, you know, be able to come up with these creative marketing ideas, the billboard ideas, you know, to build systems, to process just a ton of closings and listings like that just gives them joy. You know, the average age of our company is probably 34, 35 years old, you know, as to where a young company, everybody's hustling and bustling, got amazing cultures, people travel together, vacation together, hang out together, they'll literally work together and go eat dinner together. I mean, it's just that that's, just what I thrive on, you know, like, I don't feel like I've got to have, even though my name was on the door, I'm not the smartest person in this afternoon to get here first, right? But it's, it's allowing all of their brain power to work together to help us build this thing for the next level in collaboration with me. And it's not just me doing it. It's, it's, it's everybody doing it. And I'm, I feel like if I don't carry us to the next level of 4,000 or allow them to get, I don't get out of the way to allow them to go to 4,000. Are you shredding something, dude? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was grabbing my pen. I'm, I'm taking notes. Gotcha. No problem. So, that's all right. So, um, you know, the, the deal is, is that if we don't get them to, to 4,000 as a as an office or as a company, then I'm going to rob them of what they can experience joy-wise, you know, and growth. Um, because I grew it to 1,000. It was, a, you know, the, the main difference from going from zero to 1,000 that I've learned from going from 1,000 to 2,000 is that zero to 1,000, really zero to 100 especially, but then from 100 to 1,000, really the same thing. A lot of that rests on my shoulders. I got to be the one at every meeting. I got to be the one with all the vision. I got to be the one motivation, pep talking. Whenever you're a thousand and beyond, you you have to remove yourself from that. Really, probably six, seven hundred and beyond. You have to remove yourself from that. You can't be that person anymore. If it if the company requires you to carry that role anymore, you can't grow that fast. And you can't be in so many places. So there's got to be players that are on the team that have the ability to step in and have that same leadership capacity as well. And this goes back to what we were talking about 
about a little bit earlier, right? So replacing yourself as a buyer's agent first and then replacing yourself as a listing agent, then you're replacing yourself in front of your sales agents. That's even harder than replacing yourself at the, at the kitchen table as a listing agent. So that's kind of step three of the process is replacing yourself. It's the evolution of building a team. You know, step one, again, is replacing yourself in front of a buyer. Step two is replacing yourself with a listing agent to go get a listing. And then step three is replacing yourself in front of some of your own agents with sales managers and administrative staff. You know, that's that's step three of this thing as, as far as the evolution of our team of how we've developed and grown. And now that they've caught that vision and we can recreate that, boom, we can scale a lot faster because it doesn't require you truly to be the one standing in front of a sales main trying to run around the agents all the time, right? Yeah. So that's that's really the secret and it is the leadership side of, of not me being necessarily a better leader, although that has to happen too. I've got to teach the guys beside me to be better leaders so that they can then teach the people behind them how to be better real estate agents. You know, for people watching this, um, you and I, Jeff, we went through like uh, kind of in tandem at the same time, a lot of very similar coaching programs. Right. Like we were going to the conferences together. And something I, I think I figured out about the real estate industry is most of the coaching programs out there, they're, they're all amazing, by the way. And like, and I owe a massive debt to all of them. Um, I always tell Jay Kinder when I see him in person, I'm like, dude, you're like the one person I can count out of the five people that are closest to me that like literally changed my life. I always tell Jay, I always t- tell Jay that when I when I uh, see him. But um, my my point is is like every coaching company, most of them are keeping you on the transaction treadmill, right. and 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 it's like a totally different skill set you have to learn to actually transition from owning a job totally. and being self employed to building a business, and it's all this stuff leadership related. And there's nobody out there really teaching that. Like, how do you actually become a CEO? Like nobody, you know, I remember when I got to that point where, where I replaced myself as a listing agent and then I brought on somebody to run sales meetings. And like, I was mm-hmm. literally at, in this mental space where I felt lost. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. Right. Yeah. They don't teach that. Right. Like nobody yeah. teaches that. Like that's not in any of the coaching programs. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, you're so- right. So um, the, a little plug, Jeff, something you should know is I, I created something called a CEO masterclass and I took all the things. So what, what happened to me, and I don't know if I told you this, but after I went through like every coaching program out there, um, I started paying for uh, leadership coaching and training through other things like that are totally unrelated to real estate. And that like is where my mind really you know expanded and the horizons got open. So I, I teach this thing called CEO masterclass and um, if you have anybody on your team that wants to go through it, check it out. But um, anyways, I, I, just a little plug to that. I have some other I have some other questions I got to ask you, but what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, let me say one thing before you go. You asked about other business ventures, right? Yeah. Well, what else we're doing? Um, and so that's probably one of the, the things you got on your list there. But, uh, you know, so here's the thing. Here's, here's a lesson I learned early on for somebody that is a team leader out there. Whenever you go to a conference, whenever you listen to something like this, it's like, man, let's see, we got to do better. We got to do better. We got to do better. Let's call a meeting with everybody, right? Let's get everybody in the room and let's figure out, like, how we can like tear it down and start back over, right? And don't get me wrong, I did <laughs> I did that a fair share a number of times. And sometimes my staff would hate when I'd go to conferences, I'd come back with 20 things and I'd give each of them five things to do, three things, whatever to go do and implement. And they're like, dude, we hadn't even perfected the things that we got from last month's conference that you went to yet. You figured there's another, <laughs> you know? And so I realized, I was like, you know, when I go to a conference, whenever I listen to something like, you know, podcast or whatever, I'm trying to figure out what are my top three, top five, biggest takeaways that where we're at as far as the a maturity of an organization, like what are the things that we have the bandwidth to do and what are the things that's going to move the needle forward the most, you know, because you can write down a hundred things, but you really need to focus on three to five. And so we put those in our quarterly initiatives and 
it was amazingly satisfying for the people in the organization because they could all focus on exactly what was needed to be done, but it was incredibly unsatisfying for me because I wanted to do 25 things at once instead of only doing three to five. And so I was like, you know, I can't go back on my word on this. So what I decided to do was create a second, third, and fourth organization <laughs> doing different things. And so I could run over here and do three things over here and then run over this organization and do three things and then run over here to this organization and do three things. And so I'll just tell you what those different things are. Um, one is property management. Um, about two or three years ago, we started doing property management. We haven't been massively successful, but we've got almost 100 doors now, um, which is great. You know, the nice thing about property management is you get paid monthly, um, no matter what. Um, you know, so the, the tenant pays as long as, you know, as long as they pay, then you get paid. So I got 70 paychecks, you know, that show up. 70, 80 paychecks that show up every single month. Um, you know, that's awesome. Um, how how find, did you find, so how did you find the leader to run that so you didn't have to get involved? So all of these that I'm getting ready to tell you about, every one of them were previous administrative or agents that helped me that were, showed leadership potential as we started expanding. And I asked them, hey, do you want to leave Jeff Cook Real Estate and come over and help me launch this? And in some cases, they have access to um, profit. Some accesses they have, you know, a bigger salary if they hit certain goals, but never did I hire outside in? I always hired internally to run that. It's the same for each of my expansion locations too, minus the exception of one. All of those people grew from within, even relocated from within to that city to go launch that expansion location so they could do it the way. We call it the Jeff Cook way. We do it the Jeff Cook way and they have the same culture in all the different locations. That's a really important deal. So what else besides property management did you get into? Flipping. We've done a lot of real estate investments. Um, this year we're on track to do about six 60 to 70 flips. Um, and these aren't just wholesale deals or get them under contract and sell them off. You know, that's fun too. But this is actually deals where we're going in, gutting it, renovating it, putting it back on the market. So each of those are a three to six month, that's a, that life cycle is a three to six month deal. So we have anywhere from 11 to 15 of them going on at one time. Um, one of my sales managers that runs in one of my Jeff Creek real estate offices is now coming over to help um, the lady that helped me start that company, um, you know, about three years ago. He's coming over this year and our goal next year is to do a hundred flips and then continue. We just put up some iBuyer billboards and they've been incredibly successful, by the way, um, you know, in our area. What do the billboards over. say? Uh, it says trapped for cash. We can take over your payments um, or, you know, need cash. We can buy your house. You know, all the little bullshit signs you see on the side of the road in the corners yeah. that we buy houses, put that on a billboard, you know, something like that on a billboard, it gives more credibility. It's really bizarre. Like that on a billboard seems to get a lot more traction than all those little signs on the side of the road. What, what, um, what domain name are you sending them to? What's the uh, URL? Um, great question. I don't know that I know. Um, TitanHomeBuyers.com. We've just redone that website. I think that's where we're sending it there, where they can actually get, you know, the home value tool for real estate. Like when you yeah. put it in, it kicks you out of home value. But we wanted to create something like that for our investment company, right? So where you can actually get an offer on your home in, in real time. Um, and we haven't gotten to figure out how you actually position the offer just yet. But what we've done is you go in there and it's just like a home value tool on a regular real estate website. You put your address in, then ask you some questions about that house when do you want to sell it how much should you sell it for and then the last form is you know what's your name phone number and email address it's like a three or four part form that basically walks them through the steps of getting an offer on their home from our investment company um, and that seems to work really really well we have a lot of traction on that you can find that at titanhomebuyers.com and that's my real estate that's my real estate investment company um, if you want to check out rent holy city that's our property management company rentholycity.com 
Um, and then the last but not least, the other thing that we've gotten into is we've created a real estate school uh, that where we can um, go out and, uh, you know, we've got an instructor and all that stuff. And we're not doing that for profit center, we're doing that for agent count, right? So that's our one of our main recruiting sources. Um, so all the profit we take in that, we dump it right back into marketing for the real estate school. So we're running a real estate school. It, it dawned on me that this is how some of these corporations view real estate because these real estate schools around town are not happy about this, by the way, because all we're doing, they're trying, they're doing it. So they're doing real estate school to make a profit. I'm doing real estate school not to make a profit, but to find agents, right? So we have two different motivations. So every dollar that comes in from real estate school, we're taking a reinvesting into more people in our online classes and our company and recruiting and all that. Like it pays for a big portion of our recruiting and we don't care to make any money on the real estate school. So it's not the mission. <laughs> so funny enough, what's happened with it is that, um, you know, uh, that thing's grown and it's starting to compete with a lot of the other regular real estate schools in town. Uh, and so it's been a nice little leaderboard for our agents. Uh, and there's one more actually, a title, we've started a title company here in South Carolina as well. Uh, we do a title company as well. So there's about five or six different, you know, again, when I get bored with one, I don't, I used to tear that thing down. Now I run over, start another one and do something. So there's, you know, five, six, my wife owned a home inspection company for a long period of time. She just actually sold that. So that's uh, we got out of that business uh, just because it's 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 not a lot of return profit wise from the amount of work that goes into it. But uh, um, something I want to bring up is um, and there and there's two points to this question. So one thing I think a lot of people don't realize is once you build your business to a critical mass, there is a lot of you know somebody could call it downline revenue opportunities if you want through joint ventures like what you just described right. and and these and these joint venture opportunities are you know generating hundreds of thousands of dollars in net income per entity per entity and so something i want to ask you about is um i, I don't know when it was two years ago maybe Mm-hmm. You um, you did a, a public post to uh, saying you were joining EXP Realty, and you ended up not um, you ended up pulling out and um, not joining EXP, and so you know in in the real estate industry you know I, I think and, but, and let me just a quick disclaimer here I I think EXP what they're doing is really cool. I think the downline revenue stream, like they, I think they won up KW for sure. Um, I think they got a great, you know, thing going. Um, but I think a lot of real estate agents and people building real estate teams, they think the downline revenue is in recruiting, but that is pennies compared to the joint venture opportunities once you reach critical mass with your team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would. You know, there's a lot of guys making a lot of money doing the uh, downline revenue share stuff. Uh, and we we had hoped to get in there and make a lot of money with it as well. It just didn't work out based on being independent, based on some of the same exact billboards that you saw back there. You know, EXP doesn't like, you know, things like that, right? So, you know, being an independent, we allow, we're able to make those decisions and grow our company at our own rate the way we want to. Um, and they're a publicly traded company. So the thing is, is that they have to make sure that they watch out for, you know, what they're, what they're doing. Uh, but likewise, I also have to watch out for my brand and what I want to do. So unfortunately, the marriage just didn't work really well. Uh, but as far as, you know, uh, the other... But the, the, the people that are making a lot of money in downline revenue streams, and you and I know mo- most all these people, they are, they've been on stage for 10 to 20 years 
right. building a massive audience, and that's how they get up to making a lot of money, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is true. It is true. It's not that it's a significant amount of work. You're not. My thing is, if you don't have a massive following, you know, and I'm talking about even followings, you know, probably bigger than you, you and I, right? So if you tens of thousands massive, of people, tens yeah. of thousands. Yeah, yeah, tens of thousands. You don't have a massive following, tens of thousands. You're not going to be successful doing the downline recruiting and selling real estate. And that's what we learned. We learned that even with an influence, you know, you you can yeah you can make some money doing it, but it's going to take your eye off the prize of selling houses. So you either make money selling houses, you make money doing that, unless you have the massive following. That's that's and you yeah. major major influence. So yeah, I think you're on the money there. Um, and some of those joint ventures, you know, depending on the state, you know, title insurance. Somebody wants to reach out to us about title insurance to help them out with their state, get off the ground. Be happy to help them out, figure it out. You know, there's there's some money in that. Um, it's different from state to state. It's very different from state to state. You know, we're in the process of doing it in North Carolina, Virginia right now, and it's just completely different there than it is in South Carolina. The one little asterisk, and I think little thing we should share with people. And Jeff, so we both, you and I both done title before. Um, I don't know if I told you this, we sold our title company last year. Um, it was very, very lucrative deal. And I learned a lot from going through that. Uh, but my point is um, before you go into a joint venture or some, you know, other venture, you know, that can feed off your core business, um, you really need to get to a critical mass. Otherwise, that business is a distraction. And it's it's going to limit your growth of the core business. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, it will. I mean, you need to have a. You de- I didn't mess with any joint ventures until I had my real estate company to a point where I wasn't the only leader, right? So, and a good taste test on that is: can you take off for two weeks today if you had to, and come back two weeks from now and things still be running? And if the answer is no because you didn't go any listing appointments, or the answer is no because there's nobody else that can pinch hit for you in a sales meeting, it's probably not the right time to go do a whole bunch of joint ventureship. Like, keep growing, keep getting there, keep building up leaders. And then that's that critical mass that you're talking about, Chris, where people have the ability to like get to that point where they can, uh, you know, it can sustain without them physically having to be in the building. Because I'm less than 20 hours a week now. Because again, there's five different organizations, six different organizations. So I'm 15 to 20 hours a week max in Jeff Cook Real Estate. That's all. That's all I, the time I have for it, unfortunately, because I've got four or five other deals that I have to spend time doing those. Mm-hmm. So I can't spend time with it. And I think your point, to your point, is that if you didn't have, if you're, if you're four. 40 to 60 hours a week in your real estate business or company, which I was up until about three years ago, uh, then it's not time to do a joint venture yet. First, get your real estate company so that it can succeeding without you having to be there all the time and then think about the joint venture. Yeah. Jeff, how do you balance all this stuff? You got two young kids. Are you sleeping at all? Like, how do you, how do you manage all this? Dude, I'm having the best time of my life. I just, right before we jumped on, I had a call this morning and then I uh, hit the gym for, you know, hour, hour and a half and knocked that out, man. So, you know, yeah, I'm having fun with it, man. I'm having the best time of my life. My kids are three and six. Uh, me and my wife and kids just got back from fall break yesterday. We were out of town for three or four days. So we have to schedule in vacations. There's a lot of meetings. Absolutely. There's a lot of data download, a lot of data dump. But the thing is, you got to get really skilled at making quick decisions, right? And so so you got to be, you know, somewhat witty. You got to work on your skills of, of of hearing news, good or bad or indifferent, making quick decision and sticking by that and being the right decision. And that comes with practicing and priming that over time. Um, you know, so yeah, it's 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 figuring out that work life balance is important. But Saturdays and Sundays for me, that there's no business that happens there, and there's also yeah. no business typically that happens after seven. So that's my cutoff. I got to be done by seven, if not before, to be home with my family. 
That's awesome. Um, man, I got, there's one, uh, there's two things I, I want to get, get to before we close out. Cause I know we're, we're both running out of time here. Um, one is how do you come up with those ideas for your billboards? <laughs> yeah. So like what's, yeah. what's, what's that look like? What's that process look like? Well, a couple of things. So that's one of, so again, I'm 15 to 20 hours a week, three hours a week. Um, if not four hours of four out of those 15 hours that we're talking about are me in the marketing department, um, brainstorming, whiteboarding, strategizing. Uh, we have the billboard rep come in with us and we all sit around a round table, literally six to eight of us. And we map out like in the, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to map out all of 2020 based on maybe movies that are coming out or based on, you know, ideas or what's the going on with the eye buyer. Like, how do we get into that? Like, how do we figure all that out? And so we know January one, all 10 of the campaigns that we're going to run next year, about 10, 10 campaigns. Yeah. Do you, do you have a um, swipe file of all of your billboards? Yeah. Yeah. We can share all that with you. I think we got, uh, we got them. We can post them. I don't think we've got them all right at the moment, but we can get that together for you and I'll share it with you. That'd be awesome, man. Okay. So my, the last question I have for you is you've got a lot of ventures that are, you know, spending off a lot of cash. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm curious from a wealth building perspective, what are you doing with the cash that you do make? Like, how are you reinvesting it? Is it going back into starting new businesses? Are you buying rental properties, putting money in wall street? Like what's, what are you doing for, from a wealth building perspective to set you and your family up? Combination of all that minus the uh, wall street thing. I'm not really big into all the stock stuff. So this is not my forte. I love, uh, I love real estate uh, because here's the thing. So, with real estate, right? You put, let's say you put 20% down, you can purchase a hundred percent asset, right? So 20% yields you a hundred percent. Whereas if I put that same, let's call it a hundred thousand dollar house. I put 20,000 down by the hundred thousand dollar house. I got 20 K into the deal, but I've got an asset of a hundred K appreciating, right? So you, let's say that's three to 5%, whatever. It's still on the hundred K, not on the 20 K. So it's the leverage of real estate. Right. I love that. I love that more than I love putting 20 K in a stock market and leveraging the 20 K. You know, I just don't have, I can't use what I call OPM, other people's money. I like using other people's money to uh, be able to, you know, continue to grow. Hey, give me five minutes, but sorry about that. Uh, so anyways, so the idea is, is that if I can go out and purchase real estate and purchase houses and use other people's money, whether it be banks money or whether it be, you know, loans that other people have already taken out or even private money. We're, at this point, we've got a lot of relationships going where, uh, you know, we have the ability to, um you know, borrow private cash behind the scenes that they haven't really recorded on, on, you know, it's just relationships that we build over time for other wealthy individuals. Building um, so, a, you, you're starting to build your own personal fund, investment fund. Exactly. Yeah. And then the interesting thing then is becoming the bank. That's kind of the, the final, the final um, prong on the, on the spoke of the wheel, if you will, is that, you know, at first you go in and start doing some wholesaling, you know, buy some properties and sell them at a bigger, uh, you know, resell them, you know, flip the contract, if you will, without ever closing on them. Then there's flipping where you buy it, you hold on to it, you fix it up, you flip it. And then after that, if you make some money doing that, then it's sort of, you know, the process of, you know, acquiring some long-term rentals, um, which are those hundred properties that we're going to do next year, again, about 60 this year, half of them are flips and half of them are rentals. So we're going to hold half of them, uh, which is nice. Uh, so that means the next year we'll go into the year having 30, 40 rentals, which would be great. And that also helps see our property management company too, because it's found business that somebody's got to manage it. Right. Mm -hmm. So the final part of that is becoming the bank. And what I mean by that is I don't have, you know, you know, hundred million dollars sitting there where I'm going to you know go out and lend, you know, hundred million dollars out to these people. But what it is, is if I can have other people lend money to me, say it's 6%, I can turn around and lend it out at eight, 10%, whatever, um, on short-term investments, then there's a margin there, you know, and it makes me think of my circuit city 
exactly. Your Circus City analogy, your yeah, eBay. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, and so the bank that lends you the money at six, you know, through line of credits or whatever, they don't care as long as you pay the six. They don't care. And some other investors out there will be happy to pay ten percent, sometimes twelve percent, in terms of a short-term interest rate loan because it's a non-conforming type loan. Yeah. And so, uh, becoming the bank is sort of our ultimate BHAG on that, and 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 you know, getting compound interest back is just so much better than, in my opinion, than putting money into the stock market. But, uh, you know, again, that's like step six out of the process. Step one is just, you know, buy some investment, buy real estate people, don't just sell it, buy real yeah. estate, somehow buy real estate. Man, it's funny, man. I see more and more similarities to us and you and I can, I, I want to have some conversations with you offline on um, uh, uh, getting access to what are called funds of funds. Yeah. So are you familiar with this? Yeah, funds of I've funds heard of it. Yeah, I've heard yeah, of it. I don't know exactly what it's about. So I've, man, I've, I've, my horizon has opened up on this, on the whole like financing side and building a fund and all this. And uh, anyways, it's, it's a really cool thing. But um, Jeff, we're, I know we're right at an hour. I know you've got to run. Let me share one more thing. Let me share yeah, one please, more thing before please, we go. So please. Fi- final business venture that we did. Uh, we just started a, um, a company called Realty Partners. All right, realtypartners.com. Um, we have an event coming up in January. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Tell me, yeah. that's what I want, that before. Before I was closing out, I was literally yeah. about to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is it. So uh, in January 9, 10, and 11, you guys write that down on your calendar, January 9, 10, and 11, uh, we're going to invite everybody that wants to come to our offices, come see it. We, we get people that ping us all the time and said, hey, can I come to your office and spend a day? And I'd love to do that. The problem is we wouldn't be able to get anything done if everybody showed up every day to come hang out and ask questions. <laughs> so this is like the opportunity. And the tickets are super cheap. It's like 300 bucks, which covers the venue and all the food that we're going to give you over the three days. So it's, it's super cheap. We're not trying to make money off of it. What we're doing, though, is potentially having a coaching company where we're going to create long term where people you know, can get real estate coaching if they so want it. If they just want to stay in our office, that's fine, too. Um, also talk about these same investment strategies and you know the money part and that whole deal. Um, so on January 9, just to share this with you real quick, January 9, we're going to open all of our offices up for people to come in and view the sales managers, meet our agents, get all of our checklist or buyer checklist or seller checklist, closings, listings, and that whole deal, meet our ISA team. And then on the 10th and 11th, we're going to do a deep dive into like a mastermind where we actually sit, sit, just sit around and talk about what each of these departments do and how we maximize it and how we grow and evolution of our team about how we went from, you know, uh, over the last 15, 16 years, how we got to the part part that we're at now. Because keep in mind, at one point, we were at 200 transactions too. And so the guy trying to figure out how to go from there to 300 or the guy going from 100 to 200 or even the guy going from 40 to 80, like that's that's all stuff that we're going to be covered uh, at this event. And again, January 9 through 11, realtypartnerslive.com is where you can find the information. Okay, so let me just recite that because I wrote the down. So January 9th, 10th, and 11th. On January 9th, you're going to open up your office in Charleston, South Carolina. Yep. Um, the event's 300 bucks, and you go to Realty Partners Live. Realty, Realty Partners Live dot com that's it yeah really right, i i have i um believe it or not i've never been to charleston i've always wanted to go out there just to hang out with you i feel like we need to go do something man because i don't i don't see you as much as i used to i know it. we need to man we need to get the old uh, band back together man <laughs> well jeff thanks so much for being on this every time I, it's man it's always a pleasure just talking to you on the phone anytime i can binge your on i mean you know i i over the years i always randomly call you you never call me so um, <laughs> you're always the, one of the one one of the guys in my circle i feel like that's always like trying to level up and um something fascinating you said that i really really love and this is something i found is like when you start hiring talent like they actually end up pushing you further 
and like push you out of your comfort zone and, and make you want to build something even bigger. So like in, in my mind, it, like I, my thing was always getting to 500 deals. This was like nine years ago. I was like, I wanted to get to 500 deals. I heard you say a thousand. I'm like, man, I'm thinking too small. But I was, I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep focusing on 500. And then I, I got to 500. And then I realized like, I got to keep growing the organization. Otherwise the people on my team have hit a ceiling. Right? right. And like, you know, Tony Robbins always says that um, as human beings, we find happiness through forward and upward trajectory. So it's our jobs as leaders to constantly level up, keep making the vision bigger and bigger and growing and growing and growing. So, man, Absolutely. I, I, just, I love everything you said. I can't thank you enough for being on here on our podcast, CEO Secrets. I hope everybody learned a ton of stuff on our uh, podcast here. And uh, be sure to check, man, y'all need to take Jeff up on this. Um, fly out. I mean, that's freaking cheap. 300 bucks to spend three days with Jeff. Um, go check out his operation. Charleston's a super cool city. I, I mean, I hear so much about it. Um, so anyways, thanks again, Jeff. I really appreciate your time. And uh, for those of you guys listening, uh, stay tuned in uh, to CEO Secrets for our next episode. Um, and if you're watching this on Facebook Live and you asked any questions in the uh, Facebook group, I'll try to get to your questions after we finish up here. Much love, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, for, Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Want to become your own CEO? Join our CEO master class at brokeragehacks.com forward slash masterclass. That's brokeragehacks.com slash masterclass. Learn everything from agent training and lead generation programs to what systems are the best to use in order to maximize your return on investment. And on top of that, learn the tricks of the trade from the president of Waters International Realty during our live web classes.